Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 727 for release on Sunday, January 29, 2023. On WaveScan today, postal mail and the early radio scene on Grenada in the Caribbean. And a profile of Radio Belarus, as well as our Indian DX report. The Grenada Postal Corporation on the island of Grenada, on the eastern edge of the Caribbean, announced on December 13, 2022, just last month, that they were temporarily suspending all postal mail services between their island and all of the other islands in the Caribbean, as well as with Canada also. The reason for this unusual procedure in the midst of the pre-Christmas season was that there was insufficient cargo space on airplanes flying into and out of Grenada. More on this story now and the radio scene on Grenada from Ray Robinson. Thanks, Jeff. The island of Grenada is an oval-shaped volcanic island 20 miles long and 10 miles wide, located at the southern end of the arc of Caribbean Windward Islands, just 90 miles north of the Venezuelan coastline. In addition to the main and largest island of Grenada, there are two smaller inhabited islands, Petit and Cariacou, together with a few even smaller uninhabited islands. The independent country of Grenada is a member of the British Commonwealth of Nations. The capital city is St George's and it has a home population of about 125,000. The earliest settlers on Grenada were Indian tribes people from South America, but the first European to sight the island was the famous Christopher Columbus during his third voyage to the New World in 1498. Both the French and the British showed an early interest in Grenada, though it was formally ceded to the British nearly 300 years later in 1763. The island gained independence from the UK on February 7th, 1974. Tourism is the main source of income for the island, and they claim that the one-and-a-half-mile-long Grand Anse Beach, with its soft white sand and crystal clear water, is one of the best beaches in the world. Grenada produces 40% of the total world production of nutmeg and mace, which is their main export, and hence the popular designation of Grenada as the Spice Island. The most popular sport on the island is cricket. In our programme today, we take a look at the early wireless scene on the friendly tourist island of Grenada, going back to the very beginning, one and a half centuries ago. It was in the year 1871 that the first undersea cable was attached to the island of Grenada by the West India and Panama Cable Company, thus linking Grenada with all of the other Caribbean islands and also with all of the Americas and across the Atlantic to Europe. As time went by, all of the undersea cable systems in the Caribbean came under the general auspices of the worldwide communication company known internationally as C&W, Cable and Wireless. The first radio communication station on the island of Grenada was installed by Cable and Wireless in St. George's, the capital city of Grenada, at the south end of the island. 
This low-powered C&W communication station was inaugurated on February 1, 1925, probably with a call sign that began with the letters VP, similar to communication stations on other small British islands back then. Thirty years later, the first radio broadcasting service on Grenada was inaugurated by Her Royal Highness Princess Margaret, the younger sister of Queen Elizabeth II, in February 1955. The original broadcast transmitter was a 5-kilowatt C&W shortwave unit, operating in spare time on 3395 kHz in the 90-metre tropical shortwave band. During that early era of programming as the Windward Islands Broadcasting Service, the station was on the air for just a few hours each week. Before the 1955 inauguration of their own radio broadcasting station, radio listeners on Grenada could tune in to numerous medium-wave stations in the Caribbean, as well as in Central, South and North America. During the following year, 1956, a 250-watt medium-wave transmitter was installed at C&W St George's, and this was opened for local city coverage on 1040 kHz. A second shortwave transmitter, a 250-watt unit, was taken into service during the next year again, 1957, and that was used as a program feed to a small group of medium-wave stations on nearby islands. A few years later, a third shortwave transmitter was introduced, another 5-kilowatt unit, for programming beam to England, Ascension Island in the Atlantic, and other Caribbean islands. When international cricket test matches were held on the island, Ball-by-ball commentaries were beamed to England, and they in turn were sometimes further relayed by the BBC live on shortwave and on medium-wave frequencies of the BBC's domestic third programme. This is the Windward Islands Broadcasting Service. We are on the air daily from 1945 to 2130 GMT on 21.69 MHz in the 13-metre band, or shortwave transmission to the British Isles on 21.69 MHz in the 13-metre band is now closing. There were occasions when the two 5-kilowatt shortwave transmitters were on the air with the same programming in parallel on separate channels, and also other occasions when both transmitters were combined for an increased power output of 10 kilowatts on the same channel. We'll have more about the radio scene on Grenada another time. For now, back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Welcome to Radio Belarus. This is the Daily News Review, and here are the main topics for today. Ukraine's ambassador summoned to Belarus' foreign minister over a missile incident. Radio Belarus. The News Review. A country which has been in the news a lot recently is Belarus. Unfortunately, Radio Belarus stopped broadcasting on shortwave in 2016 but it still produces daily radio broadcasts in English and other languages, which can be heard on their web stream. Mircastle is one of the calling cards of Belarus. You will find its image on Belarus in postcards, calendars, and various national souvenirs. (laughs) 
high towers with gun ports, walls two meters thick, Newcastle complex astonishes its visitors with power, terseness, and harmony blending into the natural surrounding. Radio Belarus International has been broadcasting, or later internet casting, since May of 1962. Originally, the programs were broadcast in Belarusian only. In 1985, broadcasting in German was launched, and in 1998, Russian and English versions followed. In 2006, the station started broadcasting in Polish. 2010 saw the launch of French and Spanish-language programming, while in 2013, the first programs in Chinese were aired. In 2017, broadcasting in Arabic was launched. You're listening to Radio Belarus. Every day we tell the world about the life of our country. Listen to us in Belarusian, Russian, Polish, German, English, Spanish, French, Chinese and Arabic. Radio Belarus brings you news as well as analytic, educational and entertaining programs for thinking and curious audiences. In them, you'll find everything you'd like to know about the country and even more. We provide our listeners with the most topical and comprehensive information. Discover Belarus together with us. You will find detailed information about us on the website www.radiobelarus.by Radio Belarus International started online internet broadcasts in the English language in January of 2005. Eventually, the online schedule included 22 hours of programs daily in English, German, French, Spanish, and Chinese. It's also available on satellite and on various FM transmitters and frequencies in Belarus, including in the city of Brest, 96.4 megahertz, in Hrodna, 96.9 megahertz, in Svislak, 100.8, in Haranyoni, 99.9 megahertz, in Braslau, 106.6, and in Miadzel, 102.0 megahertz. You're listening to Radio Belarus. The preceding information about Radio Belarus came to us from Anatoly Klepov in Russia via Wolfgang Buschel's Worldwide DX Top News. The English transmission, by the way, can be heard at 0100 UTC, among other times. You are on the waves of Radio Belarus, your most reliable conductor into the political, economic, social and cultural life of Belarus. Our coherent journalistic crew offers you embracing daily highlights of the major internal and global affairs. Stay tuned in to Radio Belarus. Thanks to Wolfgang Buschel for advising us that the webpage of Radio Havana Cuba has reported on the death of the well-known DX program host Arnaldo Coro, better known as Arnie Coro in English. CQDX, CQDX, CQDX. This is Radio Havana calling all shortwave listeners and radio amateurs. Welcome to 
Extras Unlimited, Radio Havana's weekly feature dedicated to the fascinating world of radio communications. Hola, amigos radio aficionados all around the world, from sunny La Habana, Cuba. The website indicates that on January 8th, journalist and university professor Arnaldo Coro, one of the founders of Radio Havana, Cuba, in 1961, passed away in Havana. Coro was born on July 2, 1942. From a very young age, he was interested in radio broadcasting. He was a radio amateur and a specialist in mass media and communications technologies. He taught as assistant professor at the Higher Institute of International Relations of the Cuban Ministry of Foreign Affairs and served as vice president of the Cuban Commission for the Preservation of Audiovisual Heritage. Arnie Coro is the author of numerous scientific and technical publications, including a book called The Radio War of the United States Against Cuba, published in 1984. He was the host of the popular radio program DXers Unlimited, which he maintained for many years on the English-language broadcasts of Radio Havana, Cuba. Arnie's last working years were spent in Radio Havana, Cuba's English-language service, he was a technical advisor at RHC and was known to be involved in the technical aspects of the station's jamming transmissions aimed at foreign shortwave broadcasters. And that's all for today. This is Arnie Coro, Radio Amateur CO2KK, your host here at Radio Havana's TXS Unlimited, signing 73 and very good DX. Today, in our ongoing presentation of Jerry Plummer's talk at the 2022 NASB annual meeting, Jerry continues with the story of how WWCR in Tennessee acquired the transmitter of the Caribbean Beacon in Anguilla to be used for replacement parts at WWCR. Finally, a sales agreement was reached. But the next problem was, how do you get that big transmitter from Anguilla to Tennessee? I mean, that is a lot, that's a lot of weight, that's a lot of parts, uh, and we got COVID restrictions in Anguilla, which says that nobody from the United States can go there. So, our engineer can't go there, Pastor Scott's guys can't go there, it's going to have to be packaged up by people in Anguilla and shipped to us. That's got some potential trouble written on it, you know. What was included? The sale, it's all the parts, part and parcel, of a fully working 418E plus a ton of spare parts of varied nature. I mean, we've got spare parts of spare parts. Yeah, so it's it's excellent. And we've got 418Es also. There's There's one drawback to it. In addition to the whole shipping thing, this is the ocean bill of lading that you use to ship stuff when it crosses the ocean from one part to another. And it's, I did a lot of ocean bill of lading stuff when I worked at Wilson's Sporting Goods back in the 1800s. We did a lot of our, our imports from China even back then. And I was in merchandising, so I, I, and inventory control, so I got real familiar with how they're supposed to work. This one, is not how they're supposed to work. Very lacking any kind of descriptions, 
uh, lacking any kind of full weight measurements, any kind of contents, that's the ocean bill of lading. And it doesn't tell you anything about what's coming. So once it arrived in Miami, this is what they, at the holding company, this is what they had that d- detects what tell you what's there. No descriptives of any nature, a number of boxes, uh, the weights were totally incorrect. Um, and one of the big parts about it, there's two things, there's, it's, it's an item called a transformer. I think you guys probably have seen those. There's two of them to the Continental. Uh, they're expensive pieces, like $90,000. On this shipment, they weren't even on it. And this is what they said was everything. Uh, they weigh uh, like 4,500 pounds apiece. And nothing on this ocean bill laying weighed over 2,000 pounds. So, turns out that we had to have them shipped up in two or three shipments. We rented a, uh, a temporary place to uh, house things and then hope for the best, right? Uh, had to rent a forklift, you know, because we had to move it off of the, off of the tractors and trailers coming in. And if you guys have ever been to, a lot of you have been to WWCR, you can't bring a tractor trailer in there because the road is too big of a curve. You can't get around it. You can't bring a bus either. We we had an NASB at uh, uh, in Nashville, and we got the bus stuck there. I remember the guy, he couldn't turn around. I told him, I said, uh, you shouldn't drive into this place. Why don't you just stop, uh, and we can walk the last, you know, 1,000 foot or something. He said, hey, I'm the bus driver, okay? I know what I'm doing. I said, okay, dude, you go on in at your own, at your own risk. And, of course, got hung up there and couldn't get it out and had to call his boss. Remember that, Jeff? Had to call his, call his boss and boss fired him on the spot, you know? <laughs> so, so that was part of the trouble. We knew that we were going to have trouble getting the tractor trailer in there. So we had to use these 40 foot, they call them hot shot trailers. Uh, and took four or five of those and bringing them in uh, it was all packaged by ex-employees or people who knew ex-employees in Anguilla so it was a very poor packaging job but we couldn't get there none of the Americans could get on the island because of the pandemic so we had to trust it that we were going to get what we got Uh, but it was short two of the Transformers also short a heat exchanger, which is a pretty good size item from a cost standpoint. But the transformers, you're talking two at eighty five thousand bucks. That's one hundred seventy thousand dollars. That's re- that's repair cost. They didn't show up, so we contacted uh, Pastor Scott's guys. They contacted Anguilla, and they said, "Oh, oh, it's these things." Yeah, okay. Well, well please ship those to us. So that's what came back into Miami. And when it arrived in Nashville, prior to uh, the uh, Transformers, still no descriptions, just weights. The bill lading, uh, the second one, is built the same way. We were lucky that we were able to get an identification of the driver, and then we signed and they signed for it, indicating that it came in in this, in this condition and this number. So you say, okay, well, that's good. What about the the Transformers? Came on a separate shipment. And toward the center, 
You might not be able to read it, but Brady Murray, some of you guys know him. He's our uh, operations manager. He was uh, sharp enough to write on this. We've accepted it, but we wanted you to note that there's damage to the two transformers. One may be usable. One is definitely not used uh, to sign on that. And when we got it, I mean, we that's it was there. So, I mean, at least we got them. But I wanted to show you. These are the transformers. Before I start showing you, we currently have an insurance claim out for $84,000 to repair one of them. Uh, we've got about three weeks left before we can get a, get a, a rendering on it uh, as far as what we get. I'm a little concerned that we're going to be able to get that $84,000. I'm concerned that we're going to be able to get the repair costs. There's only one company in the United States that makes these. They've made them all for Continental. That's the only company that repairs them. Uh, we've got the quotes from them of $84,000 to repair. Uh, Five-month lead time. So we're hesitant to ship it over for repair, not knowing if we're going to get the $84,000. That was Jerry Plummer, former frequency manager at WWCR in Nashville, Tennessee speaking at the 2022 NASB annual meeting in Washington, D.C. We'll continue with Jerry's talk on upcoming wave scans. Now let's go to Prithviraj Pukayasta with our Indian DX report. Namaskar and hello friends. I am Prithviraj Pukayasta, VU3TQD, reporting from Jorhat in the northeastern state of Assam in India. First of all, I would like to convey my Heartfelt greetings to you all for a splendid new year 2023. Welcome to this first episode of Indian DX report on WebScan for the current year. Today, I would like to start this with a audio clip from the first community radio station of Northeast in India, which is run by the students of Krishnakanta Handik State Open University of Assam, named as Gyan Taranga. This CRS operates within Guwahati city on FM 90 MHz since 2009 and currently broadcasting contents of different interest for around 8 hours a day. Here, here is a recording of the station. Namaskar Prishwata, Abdanthi Khuniya se FM Mendo 90 MHz Gyan Chorongo, Zee Pori Salito Gore, all India Radio Silta Station from Barak Bhili of Assam, which is broadcasting on medium wave 8 to 8 kilohertz, is currently off air due to some major technical fault developed in their AM transmitter. They are presently audible only on local FM and news on AIR app. Radio Taiwan International English Language Transmission is not heard well here in Assam on 9405 kHz between 16 to 17 hour UTC, but their English language transmission between 03 to 04 hour UTC on 15320 kHz is heard with SINPO 45333. KBS World Radio in English is heard on 9515 kHz with K-pop numbers between 16 to 17 hours UTC. SINPO 44333 KBS English on 9640 kHz during same time received well with SINPO 34333 
Voice of Korea in English is heard well between 4 to 5 hours UTC with SINPO 34333. NHK World Radio Japan in Bengali and Hindi language are heard with nice reception condition here in Jorhat on 11610 kHz between 15 to 1530 and 1530 to 16 hour UTC respectively. Voice of America in English is heard with strong signal between 16 to 1630 UTC on 17895 kHz. Sinpo 45434. At the same time, BOA English on 15580 kHz heard with Sinpo 34322. BBC World Service is strong these days on 12065 kHz between 16 to 17 hour UTC. Sinpo 45444 Voice of Vietnam in English was heard on 7220 kHz with very strong signal between 16 to 1630 UTC. Tazin Radio from Myanmar was heard with English songs on 6165 kHz between 330 to 4 hour UTC with Sinpo 35333 and here is an audio recording of Myanmar Radio in English at 1550 UTC broadcasting on shortwave 5985 and friends, with this, I would like to conclude this edition of Indian DX report on WebScan. I hope the information will be beneficial to you. If you have any comment and suggestion, on this DX capsule or want to send me a reception report then please write to me at indiandxreport at gmail.com that's indiandxreport at gmail.com or you can post me a letter to indiandxreport Prasanta Nivas Pub Bengal Pukhuri by lane 4 Jorhat 785001 it is Jorhat 785001 And we end WaveScan today with Grenada, the Isle of Spice. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, a very unusual radio wedding and our Japan DX report. 
Wayscan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in Los Angeles, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to QSL at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. Peaceful and gay, people have been everywhere, and the one sunshine every day.